for an art of business? The creative side of our brain and the business side of our brain may seem like two separate entities, but they are actually interconnected and complementary. The creative side of our brain can bring fresh and innovative ideas to the table, while the business side of our brain can turn these ideas into practical and profitable solutions. By tapping into both the creative and business side of our brains, we can find a balance between risk-taking and practicality, leading to more success and fulfillment in both our personal and professional lives. I'm Katherine Lane Klein, entrepreneur and creative person, and in this podcast, we will hear success stories from people that are doing exactly that, and hopefully giving you ideas of how you can too. Welcome everyone to the Secret Art of Business, and today I'm very happy to have Bill Troy with me today. Bill is uh, the co-founder of the Polaris Institute. He's the author of ClickSan. He's also the co-founder of Civilist Consulting. So thanks for being here today, Bill. Oh, absolutely. Great to be here. I would love for you to talk, first of all, about the Polaris Institute, because that is your latest, probably most exciting endeavor, endeavor that you've been on so far. Yeah, that's uh, that's the exciting new thing. And I think it's something that's a real fit for the world these days. It's a transformational change company, and it's designed for CEOs that have a team that can't keep up with the changes that are happening in their business. And, uh, you know, I think change is just everywhere, every minute of our lives these days. And sometimes it's hard for humans to keep up with that change. It happens so fast to us. So that's really what we're focused on is helping uh, CEOs and companies with that. So what would be an ideal client for you? Right. So typically our, our customer is a company that probably, you know, $50 million roughly in revenue up to, up to maybe 100 or 200. It's a company where the CEO is still actively involved in sort of the management of the company. So something entrepreneurial probably. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, going through a lot of change. And they have a good team of people, but things are just coming at them too fast, right? They're dealing with burnout or just being able to keep up with changes in their industry, um, finding, you know, recruiting good people and finding, creating good culture. So it's about the mental and emotional impact of change and how you become more resilient, stronger, more capacity in that area. Give me an example, just so that we can better understand what you would do for a client coming in. You know, you, you said it was, you know, like a, about a $50 million company. Yeah. They're kind of freaking out about everything. So what would, how would you start kind of getting them all sorted? Well, I can just give you kind of a couple of basic philosophical things we start with the program okay. is based on. The first one is the idea of discomfort, right? So the analogy I use with people is that we all understand that if we want to become physically more capable, whether that's more flexible or faster or stronger, whatever it is, you're going to go through some physical discomfort. You're going to have sore Mm -hmm. muscles. You're going to be out of breath. You're going to sweat. And we embrace that discomfort as the path to growth. We know that there's no way we're going to get stronger if we don't have sore muscles. It's just not possible. What we don't realize is that emotional and mental growth is the same thing. We have to embrace discomfort to go through discomfort to get more capacity and more strength and more resilience. We've just never been taught that. Our society in general, um, you know, caters to telling us that any discomfort needs to be needs to be going away right away, right? Um, right. I need to medicate it away, I need to distract it away. And a lot of companies are providing services to help you do that, but it doesn't help you get stronger. So in a way, you get flabby and weak from an emotional and mental standpoint. And so we've got a process to help you identify what discomfort is good discomfort. I mean, because all is all discomfort isn't good. Same in the physical world. Like if you were fit, if you're working out, there's a difference in a sore muscle and a torn muscle, right? Mm-hmm. So you do learn the difference. Okay, that's a good pain. That's a bad pain. And so it's the same thing. We help you identify what are the good uh, areas of discomfort that signal an opportunity for growth. 
versus things that are damaged. And when you know that, and then you learn the exercise. It's just like you'd learn a physical exercise. Oh, now I have the ability to decide how strong I want to get and how fast I want and how far, far I want to go. I really love that. I think that's really fantastic because I do think a lot of the growth that gets really stymied is the stuff that starts mentally. You know, it's like how yeah, you and get it to feels it. like <laughs> you have nothing. You can't do anything about it. You're just you're held hostage. You're just you know you're at its whim, or you just got to take a break and go away and, and recuperate. It's like, well, but there are ways to get stronger, and we just don't typically learn them. But yeah. I've, I think that's really, really fascinating on a lot of levels. And I do think that you probably help a lot of companies, especially with like AI coming out and with uh, logistics issues and how the world has changed that much in, you know, su- you know, supply uh, and diversity yeah. and all sorts of things. <laughs> you know, the, just, the list really goes on and on of the stuff that get thro- gets thrown at uh, companies anymore. Yeah. Well, and the list keeps growing and it keeps accelerating. It, yeah. <laughs> you know, in some ways, the things are changing so fast that we have to start changing ourselves to keep up. Yeah. And did this idea kind of spin from your other company, the Civilist Consulting, like you just kind of wanted to level up from that? Or is it just something that is just completely different that you wanted to explore? It's really, it is completely different. Um, you know, um, it's really more from a personal exploration of mine. Um, I just found that I was not growing. And uh, had some limiting beliefs and limiting views of the universe. And what I found for myself, and we've since found for a lot of people, is that I was spending most of my energy trying to control the world around me to make it fit what I wanted it to be, instead of <laughs> accepting what it is and what it's becoming, and going with that. And so um, it was really just personal exploration uh, that I went through, and then you know other people involved with the company as well. Anna Birch, my founder, my co-founder, and uh, I started exploring what's happening and what do we need to do differently? And there's a lot of great research out there now that has come out in the last 10 or 15 years about, you know, how brains work and how we're wired and how we can change that wiring. So I just kind of discovered some things that I thought the world needed to see. Very cool. It's a little bit of my mission here, which is I'm, one of the reasons why I'm really glad that you're here talking about some of this. I do want to mention too, though, that um, you are an author of ClickSand, and mm-hmm. while you're here, you might as well see if we can move some paper. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about what, what that book is about. Well, ClickSand is about the idea. It, it's in a way related. It was part of my journey um, looking at how the subtitle is how how uh, digital marketing will destroy your business and the unlikely secret to saving it, which is about how seductive digital marketing can be. And uh, in many cases, it's very corrosive, right? And so for a lot of businesses, it looks like an easy path. It looks like a a simple path. And it turns out that it really takes you away from human relationships. So if you have a business that's based on a human relationship, a human interaction, it's a tool that is that's corrosive in that it starts to manipulate and, and take advantage of those relationships. And in the short run, it can look like it's making a difference, but in the long run, it destroys the, the fabric of what you're trying to build. So it's, it was a book that was kind of a warning about social media a few years ago when I think businesses were starting to wake up to that. So do you think a lot, well, it sounds to me like a lot of it still, apply, still applies though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's not gone away and it's actually in some ways getting a little more manipulative and, you know, um, taking advantage of relationships as we see, you know, ads pop up. It's like, well, all I did was look at your website and now you're going to start <laughs> sending right. me right. constant information about what I left behind, what I was looking at and things like that. So it, it's really kind of crazy on how much it does control. And how, are you then suddenly offending me as a potential customer by now being a little, little nagging? 
Right. Well, and also, I don't know if you do this. I just like, what did I do to get that ad? Whatever, you know, whatever that ad is like, I click on, what did I say? Right. Are they, you know, it's just crazy. The ads that come up, but, and, and so you just start to have this, this distrust between you and the, exactly. and the people marketing to you and they don't see it, right. They just see clicks and, and metrics and they don't see the reaction right. on my face and they don't see what's happening in my heart with their brand. And so it was, a tr- it was an attempt to sort of try to wake them up and say, do this to yourself and see what it really feels like. Yeah. Make that, make this as definitely as promising as, as possible. If you're going to send a message out. Yeah. Right. Try to build a relationship. Don't try to strip mine it and just steal off the money as quick as you can and run. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this journey you've been on has been amazing. I mean, I, I've been able to witness some of it, which is kind of great to see you kind of explore this. But I do have to ask, because we're going to go way, way back now to Little Bill. Yeah. And what did you do as a child that was really kind of creative or innovative that, you know, I, that didn't necessarily have to lead you to where you are now, but what did you really just kind of do for fun? Well, I was spent, I just like, so many hours daydreaming, imagining. I, I was sort of a cross between sort of pop culture, especially music. I've been into music my whole life. Um, so, you know, just, and then combine that with sci-fi, you know, all Isaac Asimov and, and those sorts of things, just the imagine, imagining what's possible. I mean, I used to daydream of things like how I would, how I would, when I'm laying in bed, how could I send a note to my buddy who lived 10 houses down in his bedroom? Like if I could send it like attached to the phone wire with like a, like an engine, it would like go and it would turn at his, like just daydreaming crazy uh-huh, stuff. Uh-huh. And, um, that, and then also that was combined for me with, um, a resistance to any sort of authority figure. So <laughs> all rules must be broken. Like yeah, yeah, if yeah. it's a rule, we just have to break it. So that's, yeah, that doesn't really work. You got to break that rule. And so, um, the, putting those things together, I've spent my life basically trying to figure out what no one's ever done before and what no one else can see, which is good and bad. Right. You end up coming up with stuff that no one else can see. Like, what the heck are you talking about? But uh, yeah, it's just sort of like uh, living in my own little head there. It's it's a little bit of a gift and a curse when you think about it. <laughs> That's exactly right. Gift and a curse. Yes. So trying oh, to find. Well, actually, my adult journey is in trying to find ways to apply that in some productive way. That's exactly what I was going to say. And if yeah. uh, if it wasn't too difficult to draw a direct line between what you did as a kid and what you're doing now, which is still kind of that, you know, next level exploration, what if sort of thinking, you know, how do we step a little bit into the future sort of stuff to solve problems, which I, I think is a fascinating parallel. Yeah, I think, you know, I spent my childhood and my young adulthood as one of those people, if only he would apply himself, right? He's really... <laughs> He's really smart. If he would just apply himself, you know, how many report cards had that or a yeah, C yeah. with a note? Like he, if he would only apply. And so basically as an adult, I've been trying to figure out how to actually apply myself. What is it? What's interesting enough to actually apply myself to? So that's the difference that's in my funny. childhood and my adulthood. Well, it has been a little bit of a path, but it looks like you kind of found exactly where you needed to be with this new endeavor, um, which I, like I said, I think it's fascinating. It really speaks to all the things that you were literally just talking about. Yeah, right. I'm, you know, um, in some ways, the world of sort of brain science and professional development, they, they say when you're doing research in that, you're doing me search, really. It's like, so I've really been just trying to figure out what I need. And we're like, oh, I think other people need this too. Yeah, that's really awesome. And that, that's actually yeah. a really great place to be, to be perfectly honest, because then you get to kind of, you know, feed your own joy and excitement. And then you get to share that with other people as well, which is, yeah. again, just an awesome place to be. 
Now, um, I know you're doing this and that is all, you know, just mind-blowingly amazing, but what are you doing right now that is creative and fun that still kind of disconnects you from that left side of your brain and, you know, really triggers the right side? Yeah. So, so you know this, that, you know, that I started about five years ago, started writing music. So I was in the, around the music business my whole life. Um, I was on the radio when I was young in my twenties. And then I had a market research company for about 25 years with a partner, Jonathan Little, where we did music research for movies and record companies and, and so on. And so I've been in the musical world, but I hadn't ever done the creative aspect of it. And I really realized that I needed to do that. And for me, um, it's been an opportunity to explore discomfort, right? Uh, it's a chance to sit. It, it does two things for me. Music writing does two things for me. It let, lets me explore discomfort in sort of a prescribed way. Like I need to, if I'm going to write a song about loss or death, I need, I, it's, a, it's an opportunity to explore that um, and explore the feelings around that. Um, and then also it's something that just happens to fit my brain operating style where I can work on something that's three minutes long, <laughs> you know, where it's sort of like short ADD bursts, you know, and it gives me, it gives me something, it gives me something to ruminate on, right? My brain is going to be like spinning on something today, no matter what. And so it's either going to be what I read on the news or what's pretending to be the news this morning. And I'm going to spin on what I would have said in the interview, uh, which I'll never be in that interview. My brain will still focus or I can focus on, the perfect word to explain that loss, that feeling of, you know, whatever you're trying to explore. So it gives me something to focus my brain on. That's a little more productive. Apply myself. Cool. <laughs> well, I have heard some of your stuff and I, I think it is actually really, really good. So if, if anything, maybe I can, if you are willing to post something, oh, sure. um, I, I can include the link and then people can kind of check that out. Uh, because like I said, I, I think it's definitely worth listening to. It's, it's good stuff. I have to ask about your process a little bit because you said you worked in these little bursts, which I sometimes will too. And it is, isn't a matter of where, you know, you just write a bunch of words first, you know, and, you know, they kind of come to you that way. Do you write the melody first or, you know, what part of that, what's part of your process on that? So for songwriting, uh, I'm a lyricist first, actually I'm an idea first. So there's idea, lyrics, you know, rhythm, uh, chords and melody. I'm, I'm the idea kind of like way, that's something no one said before. That's pretty cool. And then start writing the words and lyrics around that. So I'm very word based uh, from a writing perspective. And I find that um, ideas, I'm not really good at sitting down and focusing and saying, I'm going to write right now. Um, I tend to have things constantly appear as though something's working in the background. So I tend to have to get to be uh, busy and usually not mentally busy, but I'm really, it's really great if I can do something physical. If I go for a run or if I go out and blow leaves, like halfway down the driveway, I was like, oh, oh, that's good. Like things just appear for me. So mm-hmm. realizing that that is the way my brain works, let's just go with that and find ways to. And so I tend to go and do some kind of physical thing with, and I give my brain an assignment. I, I it's sort of like plant this idea. I need a way to say X and then go for a run. And then at mile four, it comes out and it's weird that it's working on that behind the scenes. So that's process that works for me. That's really cool. And it's something that I have mentioned in the past too, in that that is just the, sometimes the best working you can do is when you're not working, because that's when you, when you disengage like that, that's when the idea comes and you really have to kind of find what your thing is. And there is a reason why people have invented notepads that can, you can hang in the shower 
or yes. people keep people keep notepads by their bed is because that is your the moment when you're not being driven. You are just not doing anything that is you know work related and giving yourself that space to come up with great ideas. I mean, that's really how the brain works. Yeah, and for me, um, the journey has been a couple of a couple of new things. One has been giving myself permission to do that. Because it can feel frivolous to say, I'm going to write, you know, a love song yes. today. Like, okay, <laughs> you know, we got bills to pay here. We got to, you know, we right. got we got to do's to check off. And so that's the, that's one of the big things is to give myself permission to do that with the idea that, A, that might become something, but really it's, it's really exercise. It really is, you know, just like the same as going to a gym. Like if you go swim in the pool and you're going back and forth in the pool, you're not going anywhere. If I do push-ups, it's a stupid thing to do, but I know there's a bigger purpose to it. And so giving myself that permission has really been helpful. Um, and then, and then the ability to sort of assign things to say, I really want to explore. There's a lot happening in our world right now that is very emotional. Um, and the ability to have a, a process to explore that, what am I feeling? Mm-hmm. What is that? What is that reaction? What is that? And, and, and to feel like that is a productive activity versus just, distraction and rumination and like, you know, waste of time. It's like, no, this is really good. If I explore this, this is a growth opportunity for me. It has really been helpful to allow me to do it. Yeah. And I would, and maybe you can, you know, hopefully agree with what I'm going to say here. (laughs) And that sometimes, you know, when stuff like that affects us, it is best to have a way to kind of get it out. I mean, it's, it's a a different way of, of therapy too. Like if you say it aloud, that sometimes takes the power away from it. If you give something a name, it takes the power away from it. And, you know, if you are, you know, writing your feelings, if you are, you know, going on a, a crazy run just to get feelings and thoughts out, that's how you can get kind of get reset. You know, you can reset your brains and your emotion and all that sort of stuff. Um, but giving yourself that permission to do that because you're not going to move forward. You're not going to be um, growing in any way if you're stopped by some of these mental blocks that we have. Yeah, I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> no, you're 100% right. I think that is uh, that is required to process it, right? And again, if yeah. we're in this world of distracting or medicating it away, it's still going to be in there. It's going to come back online. So you've got to process through it. And and there are a million ways to do that, whether that's journaling or, or writing songs or painting or whatever. Working through it and, and processing it is, is necessary. Otherwise, it just backs up and it's terrible. It stays inside. Yeah. And I think people really also kind of need to make the time to find what their thing is. And that's why I like to ask people, you know, what they did as kids, because usually that's when we lived a very carefully free life before we were told to get to work. And, you know, what was that thing that really just made you, you know, feel made you, you know, feel almost invincible, you know, like this is just the world that I'm creating. And if we can kind of tap into that, so people need to find out what that is, you know, know, people always talk like meditating and yoga and running, and it may not be any of those things. You know, I always like to use that as a, as a starting point. It could be just sitting on the swing for an hour. It could be Mm -hmm. riding your bike, you know, to the store and and just, just these very, very simple things to just kind of recalibrate. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, and again, if you think of a physical, your physical self, you need to do things to refresh and you need to do things to increase your strength and work through things and same with your mental. So, yeah. Now, Bill, you've done a lot of things. What, what's next for you? What's next? Um, wow. Where that's would you a, like that's the a big, Flair's Institute yeah. to go? Where would you like, you want to write another book? I, th- I think you do public speaking too, don't you? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there's a message that needs to be shared there. I think that uh, for me, um, I'm trying to do a couple of things. I'm trying to explore on the music side of things. I'm trying to explore things deeply enough that it connects with other people. I mean, in one, on one hand, I'm doing this for my own exploration. Um, I mm-hmm. think you and I talked about, we've talked about the Eskimos with snow. We talked about that one. Yes. That, so Eskimos have 200 words for snow because they see so much subtlety in snow because they live with snow so much. And there are so many, so much nuance and subtlety in that where we just see snow. Well, I'm mm-hmm. trying to explore that with things like love and success and happiness. And what are those things? And what are the different versions? What are the nuances in there? So if I can explore that in a way that also then connects with other people and helps them experience something, I think that'd be great. From a business perspective, I, I have an entrepreneurial task in front of me. And that is, you know, I, I had my company, Troy Research, that I had for about 25 years, and it was very successful, we're in 500. Um, but I realized afterwards that I had limited it uh, because I was so focused on it being me and my company my name's on the door and it was, and the company was originally started because I want to have a company. And so you have the list of things you want because you have a company. And what I found out was that I was really in some ways isolating myself from the world by building a company where it's my universe and my employees and what we do. And I like, and all has to be things I like. And that was great, but it was also very limiting. And so now with Polaris, I'm specifically along with the other people that I'm working on with Anna, Anna and so on is how do we build something that is bigger than me, that goes beyond me, and I don't limit? Um, it's a, it may sound obvious, but it's a new muscle for me. It's a real weakness in my emotional and mental makeup, and that's discomfort I'm trying to go through. How do you let go of things? Because I'm used to holding on to things. That was what success yeah. was. Like, so there's a whole, you know, so it, it adds a new layer to building a business to say, and I'm going to do this in a way that's completely foreign to me. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but then there's a lot to explore there. How do, who do you trust? For example, if you're going to go through discomfort, it's really great to have someone you trust taking you through that. At the gym, it's great to have someone sh- like, you can do one more rep. I know you can. And that you trust them to help you to do that, right? And so who is the person? Who are the people in my life? So building a network of people that don't just do what I want, that in fact help me do what I need to do. And I can trust them when they say do this. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know. Okay, I trust you. On this. So that's that's sort of the new journey for me. And then I don't know where that leads, right? Then the possibilities are beyond my imagination because I would only imagine what I used to do, what I've done in the past. So it's exciting to see what might become of that. I, I think that's really exciting too, and really not put a limit on it. You know, there's no there's no yeah. sky. You know, just right, right. Let's just see what happens. That's there's a lot of fun in that. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a theory out there um, about process versus versus goals, right? Um, and the idea that if you have a goal, you know that limits your thinking. But if you have a process that keeps going and iterating and improving, then there's no limit to what you can do. But it doesn't feel as you know buttoned up. So trying to work on process versus goal. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, everything you're doing, like I said, is really exciting. And I can't wait to see where you kind of take this. And, you know, maybe there's another book in here about this eventually when sure. you start getting enough. Things Absolutely. To kind of share with people. Because I think it would be a very, very interesting read. But anyway, check out ClickSend because that is already in book form. And if you are interested in the Players Institute, I will have all that information in the links um, with this podcast. So um, thank you so much, Bill. I really, really appreciate this conversation and I appreciate you as a friend. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for, for inviting me on.
Thank you for listening to the podcast. The Secret Art of Business is supported by Portfolio Creative. Portfolio Creative is a recruiting and staffing company specializing in finding marketing talent. Go to PortfolioCreative.com to get started in finding your next marketing person or your next job. We are experts. We are creative. We are good humans. Please subscribe or follow this podcast to get the latest episodes. And let me know if there's someone you think of that would be a great guest on the show. Here we can build a community that believes creativity and drive can work together.